Round up the usual suspects. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay this man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> Welcome back to Jackson Jacks. I'm Tom Holm. Had Burn on the board. We have Greg Kappas in us with the studio. With us in the studio, SP Futures up 5, NASDAQ Futures up 52. Um, we have uh, another uh, balloon shot down yesterday, making, what, four now? Mm. Um, Rihanna's pregnant. Rihanna's pregnant, which <laughs> that's the biggest thing out of the uh, <laughs> Super Bowl. You know, I, uh, I'm not, you know, I used to paint houses on weekends and I was never all that afraid of heights I'm not so sure I wanted to be suspended 150 feet over that thing singing that was impressive I mean all you gotta do is one of those things wobble and you trip and you're gone I mean there was no there was no safety in her I didn't think I think mm-hmm. the inside of her jacket or whatever there were those uh, parachute straps that that had her locked down onto the platform or whatever it was alright yeah cause I mean just wandering around up there <clears throat> hoping one corner didn't go all the you, know, you can trip one way or the other. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. But yeah, it was definitely wobbling a little. What do you give all the little the little peeps in the, in, the, in the hoodies? What do they get? Thumbs up. Money, hopefully. They don't get to watch the game, do they? I don't think. <laughs> Pepsi didn't sponsor didn't sponsor it this year, so either she was paying or Apple was paying or and somebody. I don't think NFL. You know, it's not a paid gig. You you show up and you do your. Well, you know, there's no there's no way you're singing. It's all lip sync, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, too much at risk if you have live sound. Um, crazy stuff. Same guys, thing with the anthem and uh, both anthems. So they, none of those play, guys play that either? Nah. Or, you know, Stapleton, I guess, because it's one one person, one instrument, maybe you can pull that off. But anything with multiple, with sound mixing, that kind of stuff, very difficult, you know, day of. Why did, every time I look at this Roger Goodell that I just... I just kind of... <laughs> I want to. If I shook hands with the guy, I want to. He's an operator, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, claims his big hero was Johnny Knight. So all he did was try and screw those people like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> the older players. Yeah. And now there's they're being sued this week by. Uh, Matt, see if you can find it. There's a, there's a lawsuit from all the older people because all they're they, they're supposed to go into arbitration. They lose every arbitration. Medical when they go to a medical arbitration. Let's see if you can find that. It's it's NFL uh, player lawsuit or older player lawsuit, former player lawsuit, something like that. And, uh, you know, it was a really good game, kind of except for one thing. You know what it sort of reminded me of? Even though uh, Andy Reid, I think, did the proper thing at the end of the game. That was a heads-up play to to go down before the end zone. Well, for who? The Chiefs. Okay. You know, you took a whole minute off the clock and then... Then it was down to thirty seconds or whatever, and after after that last time out, you down to eight. Everybody I watched it with, a lot of them were uh, um, ladies. Were like, "God, does this suck?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were expecting, but man. Well, I mean, you know, it reminded me of back in back in the day b- before there was a shot clock in college ball. It reminded me of some spectacular basketball game. Where all of a sudden, the last minute, a team went into a stall, and you're like, "This is supposed to be." I mean. 
the guy should have scored. I mean, for entertainment purposes, the guy should have scored and seen if the guys could come back and score too. Andy Reid would have broken his legs if he went in. I, I'm just saying, there's a difference between the smart thing. If the smart thing in football, you don't even play, right? To stall. I mean, there was a minute and a half left. I know what I'm saying. Score the touchdown and see if you can hold the other guys. And if yeah. the other guys, that that would have been the Hertz incredible. was playing really well. So I, to I give him it. the ball back, why would you? Do I, that? What I'm saying, there was a difference between the intelligent thing to do and what I, I'd, I'd, I'd give myself a, t- a touchdown with a minute to go and say, let's go. You know, if, you, if you're not willing to do, I'm saying for the entertainment value, it would have been a much better game if they would have scored and let the other guys see what they could do. Which would you rather watch? The last minute of that or the last minute if of somebody taking If I'm a Chiefs it? fan, I would say, you better not go in. <laughs> you can give them an opportunity. The Chiefs fans probably would have been up and up. Okay, what if, what if, all I'm saying is there's a difference between having the entertainment value and having, I never said it was dumb for a, a college coach to go into a stall either. I just said it was sucky to watch. <laughs> yeah. Right? Did anybody, anybody enjoy the last two minutes last night? Minute and a half? Yeah. It's Other than somebody had money on the Chiefs, it was it was impressive both ways. I, I I think the the teams minus maybe you know the Eagles' offense kind of needed some help. And I got a question for you: When what's his name Mahomes looked like he was hurt, oh, he and, all, definitely and was. all these all these incredible well, and two questions: What did they shoot him up with at halftime? Uh, <laughs> I want some of that. Yeah, I want some yeah. of that too. Uh, but so the. Uh, what was I going? So, the, what do you suppose the instant odds are? What do you think the the uh, cash line was right before half? I'm going to say it had to be three to one Eagles. You think before he before he came out for the second half and he was running? Oh, the, yeah. Because you can get it, you can get it like instantly, can't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll bet the minute he went down and got up and could barely walk, I'll bet it was three to one Eagles because they were up by ten at the time, right? Yeah, they. <laughs> They showed the close-up of Mahomes' face, and yeah. he was cringing, wincing. Agony, you know. yeah. And then... Well, high ankle sprain essentially has nothing to do with your ankle. Yeah, it's... It has it's, to do with the two bones in your leg. It's it's higher up, and they... Yeah. <laughs> can't, normally, you put it up, and you leave it up, and wrap it. Actually, you can't... You can't you actually, you don't want to wrap it. It makes it worse. Is that right? Yeah, because it's, it's actually the ligament... Well, you want it to blow up? Well, no, it's the ligament between... The two bones, the bottom with the bottom of your leg. Mm. So, but if we're wrapping, if you squeeze it together, you make it worse. Mm. Or it blows up, though. Well, I don't think you want it to. No, you don't want it to ex- yeah, well, swell up a- either. But what I'm saying is, it's just it's one of those things that needs time. Yeah. He didn't have any. No, but you know, I. All I'm saying is, is that the uh, you could have got because one of the guys at the at the little gathering I was 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 on his DraftKings thing like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Did they do the Gronkowski? I missed that. Did you see that? They did. Yeah, they did do the. Uh, did the, he make it? He did. Oh, uh, good I, for well, him. They, well, from my point of view, it looked like they did. Then they said he didn't. They said, "But you still get uh, the whatever." Bonus. What, yeah, the bonus thing. So yeah, that was that was funky. I was looking at it before the game. It was ten million bucks, I think, for all the people who had bet more than five bucks on the game. They would get a bonus if he made it. And <laughs> he started and then they it off. They're not doing it a, at the stadium. And he then, had a huge hook. It was in the practicing. desert. It was in the desert. They did it. Yeah, but he ended up with. a... He had a big hook to it. I thought it hooked in. I thought it did too. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, he said he was up to do it at the stadium next year. So that guy, whoever his agent is, he's doing an unbelievable job. The guy's everywhere, and you know what? He's really good. Yeah. What the? 
What happened to Drew Brees? Was he just that horrible? They got rid of him right away? They had him in the pregame show talking about... Who, who was he talking about? But he's he was not on doing, some video. But he's not doing any, any games anymore, is he? I don't think so. But that, that lasted... So Tom Brady starts next year, right? Tom Brady, and then I think Fox hired Derek Jeter, too, for for baseball. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, A-Rod, marginal. <laughs> got the the face and the smile well you know when he was on uh was it monday or sunday night with the uh and then he was trying to buy teams and who, stuff who i don't know the, he was a little confused who was the lady uh, that was on the uh the uh, softball player for which uh, she was him and her and then there was the the, the announcer was on sunday A-Rod? yeah it was yeah it was a rad and uh man why don't you look that up the uh it was it was it was it was it was it Fox Night or ESPN Night? What, was he on Fox or ESPN? Mm-hmm. But he was doing the baseball, and they got rid of her. Huh? And the reason why I, the the show was terrible because the announcer was terrible. Oh. And and the reason why I say that is for somebody who actually does it every day. Now I'm I'm not a pro. I mean I would not. Derek Jeter. Uh, no, not former, Derek Jeter. Uh, 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 joins former Yankees teammate Alex Rodriguez on Fox. Yeah. Okay. So who was the lady who was on before? Let's see that. Oh, she's still doing something. She got the demotion. Yeah, she got she got the boot. Yeah, it's looking like this article doesn't mention her. Uh, yeah. we we'll just say uh, um, history, you know, facts announcers. Mm. All right. We, but you know, the, the thing that was, we actually you have a real when you have when you have TV, it's real easy to be an announcer because people are watching it. You can never get away with the, the screw ups they do on TV and radio. That's why, like Pat Hughes, you're much better off listening to him than you are. You know, Boo Shambi or anybody like that. I mean, if you're if you listening to the Cubs, but Pat Hughes is on cameo, BT Dubs. Yeah, yeah. So, but so what I'm saying, well, my point is, I'm not. This is not great a great voice, great. But if you are, if you are, if you have two people, two color people, it's like me having two guests. If you just stop talking, the idea is when you when you when you have any kind of radio or whatever, is to have, uh, to not have any blank spots. Now, in TV, you can because you know you got TV, but on radio. You, you're not supposed to be any dead air, so so you're supposed to start talking right when the other person stops. For color? No, no, just just for for tight radio. Ah, I mean when Maddie Weber puts a show up, you don't want him having to cut out a million blank spots. Isn't there AI for that now, though? No. Well, I mean, <laughs> but it's always, for you, it's always like some Jessica Mendoza. Ah. Kevin tweeted it. Uh, but the issue is, if you're the announcer and you just stop talking. Neither one of the other two knows who's supposed to start talking. So you have to make sure that either through eye contact or through whatever it is, you kind of let the other person know who you want to start talking next. Interesting. And they never knew who was going to start. So you had all these pregnant pauses in the, in the thing, and one of them would start saying something because there was just dead air. And that's just that's just, hor- that's just horse bleep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I was ever trained in the business, which obviously I'm not, that's the first thing you know. Maddie Weber would tell you that right away. You, you have to, like, so now when I have two people on the phones, I try as best I can to, to always direct the question to one or the other. Right. So that person knows who's supposed to. Anyway, the Super Bowl thing, the, the amount of money involved, it, just, it shows me that just what's happening kind of in this country, the, the, amount, the incredible split between the haves and the have-nots. You know, and you, and you pay, and, and the, and the, you know, and the, 
white pages around the place, and everybody who's there, LeBron's there, this person's there. It's like it's Elon like a, Musk was there. Yeah, it's like a who's who of all the with uh, Rupert Paul Murdoch. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. a who's who of God knows what. You know, I mean, it's. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's okay. You know, but well, if you pay half a million for a box or whatever. Yeah, then you, then you want to have somebody cool in your box. Oh yeah, because you're not, you're not. Rupert Murdoch would never be shown if he wasn't sitting next to. Who's he sitting next to? Elon. Elon. Yeah, no. So you want Elon there so you can get on TV, right? And who gives? And who gives a crap about Elon? I mean, it's just you know, I don't know. <laughs> Tesla shareholders. Oh yeah, come back, yeah, but it's, please. <laughs> it, it you know it, it, it's so because the interesting part was I, I was uh, for those that well I don't know why anybody would know but I was at a funeral this weekend and well I'm getting I'm getting like. Uh, Andy Rooney, I'm, I'm finding stories of people wherever I go, and uh, I ended up with like three pretty interesting stories this weekend. One of them, some young lady is going to be a guest, well, hopefully maybe next week or the week. well, next week we're off on Monday, so probably won't be next week because she wants to come on with, with John Flanagan, uh, well, he wants her to come on when he's on, uh, but she did a... Uh, Internship. She's a neuro. She's studying neuropsychology, which means, I guess, all the it's all the medical pieces of psychology. I mean, she doesn't want to be a shrink. I asked her, so you don't want to talk somebody off the ledge. She goes, no, I want to make sure that they, we can find a cure for whatever got them on the ledge in the first place, which is an amazing answer when you think about it. Somebody in high school or in high school in college, but she did an internship at the University of Minnesota, and they found the cause of some. I forget the name of the disease, but it's like kind of an orphan disease where there's no cure, but people get all messed up. It's it's something like Huntington's disease, but it's not exactly. And Greg was nice enough to educate me on what that is. But anyway, so we're gonna, she's going to come out and we're going to talk about who, who actually does a lot of the research for this stuff, who actually owns the work, and how much schools pay for it, where the money comes from, and an amazingly bright, spectacular young lady. And the fact that she said she came on the show is pretty interesting. But I, I, I talked to her. Can't wait to listen to the oh, yeah. It'll be real. Well, John's going to help me because he Someone knows all about that Pavilion stuff. Who's actually helping. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty nice to get somebody who's actually uh, on the plus side of the world these days. There's so many people seemingly on the minus side. And the other one was kind of a... The other two are kind of crummier stories. One is uh, one of the grandsons of the, the lady who uh, funeral I went to. Uh, the Chicago policeman. And now he pretty much is doing doing best anything he possibly can to become a fireman. I mean, Trying to leave though. Yeah. Really. Well, I mean, here's a kid who, uh, well, he must have enlisted. Uh, he was in the Marine. Did I don't know how many tours in uh, Iraq or in, in Afghanistan. The kid's like a decorated sniper. So we're not talking about some weenie. Wow. And uh, but he's on police force and he loved it for a while and evidently he. He was undercover, he was doing vice, he was doing all kinds of stuff. Now he just says, it's changing my personality, I gotta get out. Wow. And, uh, and he's not... He, I don't he's, think he's, he's alone he's, either. He's, oh, I don't think he's definitely not alone. Yeah. Somewhere, some way, you know, when all everybody does is, is complain about these guys, I, you know, I know there's a few bad apples everywhere and everything, and you gotta weed them out. I mean, I get that. You know, I mean, I'm not that, that, uh, that naive, but... I mean, I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, uh, there needs to be some sort of way where these guys are in harm's way for two, three months, then they're doing something else, educating, administrative for a while. There needs to be some some rotation in and out. You just can't be doing that every day, all day, without any help, and people leaving all around you, and it's and all you do is get criticized. Well, if you're supposed to be at thirteen thousand or 
say around that number and you're at ten and a half or eleven and the retirements are getting accelerating how do you keep up well one thing's for sure i mean i and this well this wouldn't make me popular you, you can't let people retire at 50 and start getting paid you don't get paid to your 65 you go do something else you can be an administrative person you can be something else i mean is that part of the deal though well, Okay, the deal needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> the fact, the rest, of the fact is, the rest of us can't pay that person. He's one hundred and ten. You, know, you, you can't get paid seventy years for twenty years' work. Yeah. I mean, the, the numbers don't add up. I mean, it'd be nice if it was you, and I get it; it's a stressful job. Uh, but the fact is, you know, you can be a dispatcher, or you can do something else for twenty years. I'd be interested to see the how the benefits cross because those are different unions. I, you know, the, the unions, the the. the Public employee unions have a special spot because they vote for the people that, are, that they cut the deals with. I know if you join uh, as a teacher that they'll give you up to eight years, I want to say, credit if you've been teaching somewhere else. In a yeah, I don't know how that works. If it's like, say you've been a teacher somewhere else for like 12 or 13 years, um, in order to attract teachers, the CTU said, well, we'll bump you up to the scale We'll give you I, about I, eight credits. I think as a teacher, you got you to be there a long time before the retirement is not. It's not the same for them. It's, well, it's towards the towards the benefits you get. If if you have credits now from other places, they'll let you do up to eight years. They won't give you the pension, but but you get the same you know right. first first year quote first year pay. But I don't, I don't see too many teachers retiring before they're fifty five, sixty, maybe even sixty, maybe even older. I mean, it's not. It's not like you're well, a you teacher. Well, start at 20. Yeah, it's not like, a, you're not, it's not like you're a guard in California where you start when you're 20 and retire when you're 40 or something. I mean, you're, it's not even close to that. And I mean, police might. I mean, we, we need to get a, somebody who's actually an expert on the, on the latest contract. But the point is, is that the last thing you want, I mean, we had, we have, uh, at one point, and I, I mean, I, don't, I haven't gone re- recently because a couple of guys died. We, we were paying like, what, six or seven former Police chiefs, two hundred some grand a year. How many? Wait, how many people how, did he yeah, have they, the job? They, they, they were most recently. I think he was this. He got most of his pension. Yeah, but I mean, we had the one guy who just died. The one guy that we liked, uh, African American guy, he just died two years ago. Uh, but anyway, but I mean, there's people that have been there like two years. We don't like them and they're gone. They get a two hundred thousand dollar pension forever. Yeah, but those two years were as commissioner or uh, superintendent but the they were in the force for however long. Not all of them. The one guy they brought in. Yeah, so this new one's brought in, but... Well, the guy before him was brought in. Eddie? No, uh, the guy before him. The guy that Jerry? ran for mayor last time. Jerry? Jerry McCarthy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I'm saying, it's you know, plus he probably, get, probably get a pension for where he came from. That's the golden goose right there. Yeah, you want to get, yeah, get two or three pensions. Double dip. Anyway, so the... Uh, What's going on? And uh, we'll, we'll hang on a little bit because Jan's going to hang on. I think hopefully he can hang on because I think Audrey is uh, has to go do some, do some work this morning, so she's an out. So we'll have to have Jan cover for Audrey so you can hang in a little bit when Jan's first half out. What, what's going on in the uh, in, in the world of uh, eggs, commodities, and eggs? And we've got mm. uh, and gold that can't get out of its own way now. Very very interesting. The past week and a half, the, the cybersecurity has been in question. Um, a service provider for back office tech. Just imagine, like, say, Excel for clearing firms. Um, had significant problems. Someone got into their systems and locked them out. 
Lock them out? Lock uh, them out. That's cool. They paid a huge ransom. Oh, you got to be I don't know, you know, huge. I think they paid, you know, a couple million or so dollars for, for to get back into their systems, and they're still cleaning up the mess where, from when they were locked out. Um, it's called Ion. I think they're, they're uh, one of three or so, and a lot of the back offices of the investment banks and the clearing houses have been working overtime for the past, you know, week, week and a half, just trying to make sure that all their clients are the margins are right, the positions are right, all that stuff. So that's been a nightmare. CFTC was, was they didn't do their call of traders report either last week. So it's it's been touch and go for some of the most important. Uh, well, I'll, I'll bet you that the the people who are our law enforcement people that we pay, and I know I've had some discussions with. Uh, so CFTC is is our uh, regulator. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I, these law enforcement people, I'll bet you that CFTC is all over this firm. Yeah. For for not being perfect, okay? Yet, our people, as we're seeing with these balloons, as we're seeing with everything, the people we pay day after day, year after year, decade after decade in the government, whenever you need them, they're not there. Well, they're they shooting suck. down balloons left or right. Okay, now, how, many, how many zillion <laughs> of them are going over, over us and people even know about it? Who knows? Who knows? But now it's politically, you know, yeah. advantageous to shoot them down. So we got over the. Well, right now, if, a, if a bank gets hacked, if a clearing firm gets hacked, if anybody gets hacked, it's your fault. They're we're still trading, but they're going to come in. Credit. They're going to come in and find these guys after they've had this huge problem. The well, idea, they're going to be out of business by their own customers. They're going to sue them. But I'm saying, but the idea of the person who did this, the person or persons being criminals, and this this firm is the victim. They're not the cause. Right? Well, we don't know. We don't know. You know, if you leave, if you leave your systems open like that, you you see, but, you, but you are, you're, you're a young guy. You, you've, you've, you have been brainwashed. Really? As much as I love you, <laughs> you've been brainwashed. You know what's going to happen one of these days? Even though I hate to do it to you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to one of these days. You're going to have a nice house. I'm going to pay some guy to come steal your car out of your garage. Oh no! <laughs> and, and when when you call the police, Thanks a lot, chief. And when the, when you call the what police, the police is going to show up and he's going to say, "Don't you realize we have an ordinance that you need a deadbolt on your garage to stop people from stealing your car?" And by the way, you don't have a deadbolt. I'm giving you a ticket. <laughs> and that's someone who loves you. Yeah, yeah. But, but you need to have that happen to you. I'm not. This, I'm not being personal. I mean, I'm just we, saying. we had it. We had it happen. I think uh, last year during the during the Ukraine invasion. That was uh, my position was all wrong for two weeks. <laughs> no, no. Okay, what I'm, I'm saying is, <laughs> you, you, you need you need to be victimized and then to be turned. We were. In, I mean, then turn into being the victim. We were. I'm not talking about your. Position. I was short three week three weed or something. Debit. One of the re- one of the restaurants you deal with. I want them all. Their, I want all their booze downstairs that they that they buy. I don't know if, uh, early when they get a good deal. One of these days, I want that all to be gone. Oh and man! Then, and then to put in the police when the police show up, they find you. For, for causing them trouble by calling them when you didn't lock the door three times. Jeez, mm. spitting fire this morning. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, but that, we were turning people into victims. I know because it happened to us. And it, really, it really, really sucks. That's some people you just down up 14, sorry. As if he was up 80, who knows? Maybe we'll actually be up this week. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jack. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. 
The Control Freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Wolfpack Stocks and Jocks. Our 
But Mr. John Flanagan, he can he can help me beat up on Greg Pappas here. Uh, by the way, Kevin's beat up beating up on you from long distance. He sent in tweets for Greg. So you're yeah. So everybody's after your your moly behind this morning. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> He's already. Um, because uh, Kevin's convinced that the contracts say that they're not responsible for outages from outside or something. That doesn't mean that the CFTC is not going to, uh, whatever. Anyway, SB Futures are up 14, NASDAQ is up 78. We're trying to get this week off uh, a, good, a good good point here because we've got a CPI this week and we're looking for 0.4% positive versus minus 0.1 last month. Interesting to see how that comes out because we've got the... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, the, the housing numbers are still to filter through, if you ask me. Anyway, Dow Futures up 57. Looking at stocks in the Dow. Caterpillar down 335. Uh, we've got Microsoft up 375. So they're sort of canceling each other out. CRM, Salesforce up buck seventeen. So other than that, nothing, nothing crazy there. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 64. These guys are all down pretty good on Friday. DAX up 64.4%. FTSE up 31.4%. Heck, around up a little more, up 60.8%. So bullish across the board over in Europe. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 243, that's 0.9%. Hang Seng down 26, that isn't much of a move. They've been moving up and down a lot. 21,164 is the whole number. Shanghai, however, up 23.7%. Uh, bonds unchanged at 3.74, 10-year rate. The bond unchanged, 237. Uh, Japan actually snuck above their 0.5 number, 0.505. Again, they're supposedly to, able to rise up to 0.50, and they're a little above that, so they're pushing the upward bound. Uh, oil down a penny, 79.71. So it was supposed to look like it was heading up last week a lot when Russia said they're going to cut 500,000 a day, and now it's sticking right back under 80 again. Uh, Brent down a penny, 86.38. Natural gas up seven cents, but still 258, very low. Arbob unchanged at 250 exactly. Uh, gold down 210, 18.72. It's having trouble getting back to this 1900 number. Silver down two cents, 22.05. Copper up three cents, 405. We've got uh, Bitcoin down uh, 281, so now it's ducked under 22,000, 21,700. And last, the U.S. dollar up just a little bit, I'm mean, sorry, down just a little bit with the euro at pretty much 107. The pound is 121. So we've settled in here, seemingly euro down from the 108 to 107, and the pound down from 123 to 121, so the dollar has strengthened up some. Matt, after all that, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports Does Super Bowl? Yeah, well, good morning, everyone. Currently 6.39 a.m. on February 13th, 2023. Uh, weather in Chicago, currently clear skies, right now 36 degrees, a high of 52 later today. Tomorrow, though, rain showers around midday. Temperatures to head back under freezing from Thursday until Friday, with a mix of rain and snow on Thursday. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, currently 49 degrees, a high of 57 later on. And of course, yesterday in the NFL, the big Super Bowls. Chiefs won a close game against the Eagles last night in the 2023 Super Bowl. Uh, Both teams were tied by the final two minutes of the game. Chiefs pulled it off with a three-point field goal in only eight seconds on the clock. Very close game, lots of fun. All that and more. Back to you, Chief. Um, Johnny, with us? Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. We're beating up on Greg. Well deserved. Um, Love it. <laughs> the, uh, we're trying to figure. Out, see, the, these, these younger people, I think, have been. Uh, I hate to use the term brainwashed. Influenced. How's that better? Influenced. They don't. They don't seem to know who the victims are in these things. Well, Just we know so. who the criminals are. Who? <laughs> they found the whatever hacking group or some place in Europe. They've got. They've even done children's hospitals before and stuff, but hmm. they're just, you know, a faceless group of 
nerds who lock what, what, people's systems up. I think it's called Lockbit, actually. Why can't we hack the hell out of them? I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, I'd I imagine at some point uh, that's the stuff that we don't find out about. Well, it's sort of like balloons. We didn't know they've been flying over. Uh, these guys have been flying overhead for years now, I'll bet. With American technology. Yeah, did, did you... Uh, <laughs> that's the best part. I, it wasn't, uh, wasn't Margaret Brennan, Jan. It was the other... Uh, who's the other lady in? Margaret Brennan's Face the Nation. I was listening mm-hmm. to... I don't know. I was on the radio, so I don't know who the hell it was. It was, it was, it was CBS, so it had to be. It was that, that's Face the Nation. It might have been her. But she had some, some dude on there. I don't know if he's Republican or Democrat, but the early returns are on the stuff they dug out of the water, if you guys heard this. A, a boatload of the parts were American, were all the serial numbers and the, and the instructions and stuff in English. Just this taunting the, us. The loom debris? Yeah. The, yeah. You know, no. It doesn't surprise me, you know. <laughs> my, my question is, you know, Jan, I know you're on, on the right on this stuff. That, 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 not correct, but you're on the right. Uh, <laughs> there's a difference. I, I heard every every Republican I listened to this weekend is pounding the table. How you know this wouldn't have happened if Trump was there and all this kind of BS. But but the, my my point is, we should be this. You know, we should be sterner on China. This, that, and the other thing. I'm going to say, John, that every not every, but pretty much every one of the multinational people that do business over there are probably Republican. They probably all have kids that. Uh, have TikTok and their wife probably has TikTok and maybe they have TikTok. The the I don't see any and they probably sell stuff in China gleefully and, and maybe have factories over there. So I don't I, I'm I'm just Are I'm you just, an Apple shareholder chief? No. No. Never have been, never no. will be. Are you a spider uh holder? Well but yes <laughs> you are correct. Yes I am an Apple shareholder. Okay, so you've got five yeah. percent of your, right. and, uh, your spiders. But I don't have any Apple stuff, but I mean I don't but, oh it's five percent of spiders. I have I have owned Nike shoes, I'll never will again. Um but I'm saying it we're, we're so intertwined that for people to pound the table and say something is so ignorant it's it's beyond me. I mean what what remember the uh the greatest one of the greatest scenes ever was uh in uh, the Untouchables, when it was it Kevin Costner, right? When, yeah. Sean, when Sean Connery finally says to him, "What are you willing to do?" And he's, he's like, what, "What do you mean? I'm asking you. What are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go with this?" And Kevin Costner looked at him like like he was from Mars. I mean, I'm asking the same question of all these people that are bitching and moaning at Biden, and if Trump was there, they'd be bitching and moaning at him. What are, What are you willing to do? Are you willing to? pay up for, for prescriptions because we're not going to buy them from there anymore? Are you willing to actually tell your kids, get the bleep off TikTok or, or I'm going to beat you one way or the other or you're, not, you're never going to drive again or something? Nobody's willing to say that. The governors in Republican states have. Uh, no, they've, 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 they've said, I'm, I'll, I'll bet you, I'll bet you that the, both governors are, are going to say you can't have it on state-owned devices. First of all, how many people in the state have a state-owned device? I'll bet you not one of them has the balls to tell their kids to get off it. Not one. You're well, Tom, I, I agree with you to a certain extent that the infiltration of you know Chinese values and and you know the Chinese um, you know their sensitivities in the way Americans do business is it cuts across both aisles. It isn't like the Democrats um, are particularly guilty or the Republicans are particularly guilty of anything. They're all in some ways now beholden to the Chinese to varying degrees. And it's all it's been that way for a while. That nobody's got a, a premium on that. 
but I, I do think when you, you look at the crossover in education, um, where the big institutions, you know, the the Ivy League schools, state schools, they have done everything possible to curry favor with the Chinese, and they're about as leftist oriented as you can get these days. So, the, the, what you can you know point to in the business you know area is one thing, but but you look at what's happening in intellectual values, and I would say. You know, the left is carrying all the water there at the moment. I just, I, I, I don't think that you're going to get anybody in Hollywood that will criticize the Chinese because they need their, you know, movie ticket sales. And they, the Chinese get preemptive rights on what gets released from an American studio now because if it doesn't pass muster with the Chinese censors, we don't see it either. And you don't think they're going to ever put anything out that criticizes what's going on in China or whatever other, other places foot in the bill. So none of this stuff you can really point to as being a, a particularly partisan problem now, but it's it's a big enough problem where the parties have become completely corrupted by it's, it. So, Janice, um, in the, the universities, you, you can say, but this is where I, I have hot debates with, and good ones, I think, with, with you and, and, and some of the people on the left. My, my, my only thing is, my thing is, that you can be on the left side of the room, you can be on the right side of the room, but the carpet is green, and it's in the whole room. I won't bite you on that, no. No, because it, whether whether you're the University of Illinois, you can say they're liberal. I don't know what the hell they are. All I know is that the Chinese people pay full boat, and the Illinois people don't. That's why there's so friggin' many Chinese people down there, which I don't really, you know, the individual people I don't have any problem with. And there's probably people in, in this state that are essentially a quasi-police force that are watching every one of those people and, and hacking into their own personal stuff, and we and we put up with it because we want it to do. Now, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll run with you. The University of Illinois, let, let's say they're liberal. I, I don't know if they are or they aren't, but I, there's probably more of a chance that they are than they aren't. Okay, that is, them being liberal has nothing to do, they, they could care less. Somebody's paying 60 grand a year when somebody else is paying 20. Well, my point is that the, whether you're, if, if you are liberal, let's say, it doesn't mean that you're not fully behind all the draconian measures by which China conducts its oh. you know, warfare and its citizens. Um, that's that's okay in, in the liberal playbook, um, as long as it's China and, and you're getting the, the benefit from it. So all these you know liberal flag holders to me are just you know you know singing for their supper. They're not expressing anything other than their own allegiance to corrupt practices that they would condemn any place else if it weren't China. Well, so what what bothers me is that we we've set set ourselves up so that we don't have any kind of political movement against this because both parties have been corrupted by it and you know nobody will ever convince me that the, the stuff with FTX and you know the fundraising for the, for both parties but certainly largely for the Democrats is all bound up with this too and God knows what kind of money laundering schemes and everything else go into to just obliterate any kind of dialogue in this country on the airwaves and when people here aren't in a position to do anything about it and we get people at the top who are benefiting from silencing the same kind of stuff it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on you don't want grassroots complaints about this and I, I gotta get my plug in again this is why Trump continues to be so popular in his quarters because he's the only one who does the opposite you can't find anybody in either party that comes close to him in what he's you know built his you know constituency upon. Well, you know, so, I, I, and I, I, unlikely it ever will happen. 
Once Trump goes, I don't see anybody else coming up in the ranks that's got that same kind I'm of gonna, power. I'm going to say that there's, this is what I, I argue with the, the Trumpers, and I don't, I don't think you're a real big Trumper, John, but uh, what I argue with the Trumpers is he says stuff, he, as, as he used to say uh, on the trading floor, money talks and bull bleep walks. I mean, Trump, I'm gonna, I, I will bet you that if you actually looked at what they're doing to certain firms and banning this group and that group, I'm going to say, even though I don't think they're anywhere near what I'd like to see them do, the Biden administration, in actual deed, has done more to harm China than, than Trump did. Indeed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy that at all. Indeed. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the guy... The guy yeah, certainly not, not Hunter. <laughs> well, but I'm saying the guy, the guy's a, I mean, Trump is a big blowfish. He says the right things. And even even my significant other and a lot of our friends that are Trumpers, they also, but Trump spoke out about this. I don't care. You can speak out about anything. But the question is, are you effective? The, the Chinese were not were not they were they were not deflected at all during his administration. And he had all those tariff things happen. They benefit some of the firms here that benefited from that. It didn't stop the generic drug stuff. It didn't stop at any of our. And I'm not, first of all, I'm not criticizing the man. Because he wasn't effective, I don't think anybody can be affected. Because I, but, but, but the reason Trump was you know had a target put on him was because he was whatever you could think how much power or, or how much meaning there is behind somebody saying stuff. They didn't want anybody saying that stuff. And you can look at any Trump speech in an, in an international globalist forum, whether it's at the UN General Assembly or the speeches he gave at the World Economic Forum. I don't think you will find one foreign leader, head of state, invited to those disastrous things that said anything like what Trump said, and it immediately made him a marked man in that but group, and I don't care whether it had the desired effect within four years, I don't think anything could have countered all the damage that's been done in the previous 50 years, but but I will give Trump a hell of a lot of credit for being the only person out of a, 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 you know, a parcel of mealy-mouthed imbeciles in my book who spoke power to the Chinese, and look where it got him, but he's, he isn't out yet. i got to believe that even talking the way Trump does is enough to get you off the stage I, in most places. You know, John, I, I have a... I have a... I'm going to say, well, not just a, a, an intellectual curiosity, but I, I really sort of want to know whether any of these people even believe the stuff they say, or they just realize that that's what their constituent wants to hear and they say it. I don't think they listen to what they say, Tom, they have other people listening to yeah. them, because they say things that would just make you joy. I mean, you look at, you look at uh, Donald Trump, and uh, he, he know, his constituency are, you know, we know a lot of these people, and by the way, I happen to agree with a lot of what stuff the guy said over, over a period of time. I, 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 his ability to get it done and his ability to piss people off by the way he said it, I thought was totally ineffective. Yet, a lot of what he said is absolutely accurate. There's no doubt about that. But you won't find any politicians today come but, close to what But I'm saying, saying 20%... I, mean, I don't see anybody in, in, the, in the presidential... You know, but I mean, you look, thing, look, but look, at what, look at what Biden said at the State of the Union about antitrust and about a bunch of stuff. An awful lot of people are saying, look at Biden's going to look at antitrust. No, he's not. He, he's going to be just as ineffective... But someplace, somewhere, somebody decided that's what a group of people that like him or are, are worried about pricing and are worried about, I mean, the, the country is being eviscerated by price increases. So the man comes out and says he's going to find out where the concentration is and he's going to go after antitrust and he's going to stop people that are fixing prices. It's exactly what people want to hear. He's forgotten about it. It was last week. And so is everybody else. 
I'm saying I don't I don't know whether Trump really gives a crap about China or whether he just knows that that's something. I mean, his constituency wants to see him firing bullets and firing stuff at people. I mean, there's a group of people that like to hear what he says. It's like it's like Tom Lee coming on CNBC. Does an asteroid could hit New York and the guy's going to tell you that the market's going up tomorrow? That's his shtick. I don't know whether he believes it or not. I mean, that's where I'm going with this. I'm not. Oh, yeah, I, but my, my point is that when you get Biden, uh, you know, the State of the Union message, and he's talking to the people in Congress, the ones who didn't boycott it, but all those in there have as much regard for this the antitrust act as Biden does, because they're all benefiting from yeah. our not having enforcement of, of an antitrust act. And when, when he gets up and, and yells about, you know, whatever to the people in that room, none of those people put any stock in what he's saying because they know it's all just glad-handing. I'm saying that the Trump went on an international stage and told these people where to shove it. But he, and he, that, that, that shows to me how toxic talking about this stuff it, really is because they know it's, it speaks to the people who really he, have no political power I'm in this saying, country anymore. We're not, I mean, this is not supposed to be a, a Trump bash. What I'm saying is, John, they, they, if somebody actually wanted to take a part not take apart, but look at the relationship between us and China. It would take a bunch of people. I mean, we have a few people on this show that could probably help out. It would take people from both sides of the aisle and say, "Okay, now look at. We're not gonna. We're not gonna not sell stuff to a billion people. Okay. Uh, or we'll, we'll talk about you know Kevin's concern. Do, do you, I mean, Kevin, Kevin draws the line and says. I'm not going to buy Coke because I don't want them sponsoring the Chinese Olympics. Now, in Kevin's mind, it's okay to to sell Coke over there. Now, selling Coke, which immediately brought me up, that's why I was, I was jealousy with Kevin a little bit on Friday, it, all in a good way. I mean, the same way I, I jealousy with you, hopefully in a good way. Now, does that mean it's like profit? I can give you 40 different definitions of profit because I'm, I'm good at that. I used to do that for a living. It was a cost accountant kind of guy. Okay, if, if we're going to show up with a ship and drop off 90 bazillion cases of Coke in China, and they're going to pull up with a Brinks truck and hand us, Greg could probably tell us how many bars of gold that would take for the, if we're going to do that, okay, that's selling stuff to China. Now, do we have plants over there? Okay, if we have plants over there, how much are we paying people? By the way, are we paying some political hack to make sure that none of the people ever ask for a raise or they're going to rub them out or something, whatever the hell they do over there to keep their finger on everybody's eyeball? I mean, are we, are we going to be involved in the politics of that regard to where we're paying God knows what to some some party hacks to keep the factory running smoothly and then paying people all the rice they can eat? I mean, how, how, where are we going to draw this line? I mean, are we going to let somebody uh, do generic drugs in China? And, oh, by the way, matter of fact, I happen to know somebody who was taking thyroid medication, got to generic, and all of a sudden uh, they weren't doing so hot on it, went back to the doctor and after a period of time of trying to get the thyroid back together, is now using some uh, drug that is not a generic and made here. Now, like eight months later, if your ear was tuned to it, like hers, the drug was just banned, was just pulled off the market. Well, did people just figure this out? Or, you know, why wasn't it banned during the Trump administration, during the Obama administration? I don't know. Was the, was the FDA told to, to, to give the, let these guys slide? When's the last time... They were able to, to to inspect a plant in China to see if there's rat hair in the in, in, in the you know in, in the stuff. I mean, come on, where where can we set this, Jan? And that one president, that one whether it's Republicans or Democrats, and probably, nobody has started this dialogue. 
What are we going to do with these people? How far are we going to go? And if anybody goes over it, they get spanked. We're, we're not even close to that, are we? Or am I wrong here? No, no we're, not, we're not at all close. And it's going to take more than one president. It's going to take more than an entire legislative cycle. You know, where the pendulum has to swing back in, in another direction. It's gone way too far now to get it back anytime soon. So I'm not talking about something that's going to happen overnight, but it, it's, it's something that clearly will not happen, and, and there's a lot of people who don't want it to happen. Guys, there's there's more people who don't want it to happen than do yeah. in Washington, believe me. There's a contingent of liberals right now that would say Biden is, Biden, at least foreign policy-wise and, and uh, trade-wise, is a big extension of Trump, and they're oh, yeah. unhappy about that. Without a doubt. He, he, I'm saying, that, but, but where, where's, where's the line? There's the same liberal who can't tell their kid to get off TikTok is going to be outraged about maybe actually they don't care about the slavery in China. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they do. I, I mean, I'm saying I don't. I don't see how nobody. I don't care who you are, John, right or left. Trump is never going to say we're banning TikTok because 200 million people use it or on it or something. I mean, well, nobody's going to try. We're never going to ban TikTok because Trump or any other politician says we no, should. They try. I'll, I'll agree with that. It, and it's going to take more than banning TikTok to, to fix well, what's well, wrong, well, I'll tell you. It's got to be a complete sea change, and I don't see that happening with the kind of, of political climate we have. We've got people who are just there as placeholders for interests that are going to survive no matter what happens politically. And that's all but been by design, too. And it's, it's, you know, Europe is an example of this as well, the EU. They're all, they've got, you know, proxy people that give the impression that there's a government that actually listens to people down below and it does anything but that. that that's a model that it's going to take, you know, it's not, not just a phenomenon in this country by any means. Well, Luke says there's people, there's countries in Europe, now here it's done unofficially, we, we have Chinese agents here watching Chinese students. you got to believe that's not all they're watching, Tom. Well, it's probably not all they're watching, but in Europe... I mean, Lou was saying that there's actually places because you know Lou gets there pretty. Let's say Lou knows what's going on in Europe. I'm not going to say how, but uh, he says that there's these Chinese quasi police forces are actually having leases and have storefronts. They have it in this country too. Well, I, I don't know that it's. I, they I shut the one down in New York. Yeah, they really shut it down. What I'm saying, I mean, but even that, I mean, it's, you would think that you know, at some point, if the average person, even the average city council, is going to say, "What the age have we got this thing?" I don't know that you could get a lease here that says uh, uh, Chinese Foreign Legion. <laughs> In Europe, evidently, you actually can. There's, couple, there's countries there that don't care. Uh, we're going to go break here in 30 seconds, but all, all I'm saying, Jan, is about to shooting down these balloons. If they actually shoot down a, U, uh, a real UFO, I don't know if we want to piss those guys off. <laughs> Just saying. Now I'm do you, with you, Tom. Now, do you want Gort showing up? <laughs> Greg, or, 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 danger, danger. Greg, Greg, or, I'm more afraid of the AI than I am aliens. Greg, Greg, or, or Matt, do you know who Gord is? Go, oh, I thought you were saying Gorg, like Gorgons. No, no. Gord. Mm-hmm. They got a film. The day the Earth stood still. A classic. Plato uh, Barada Nikto. Yep. Robert Wise. Wonderful film. Where the guy comes out and said, "Look at, we don't care about your petty stuff, which none of that's changed, has it? Hmm. We don't care about your petty wars." If you want to kill your own people, knock yourself out. If you go out in space and start doing it, you see this robot over here? 
He doesn't care. He don't give a crap. He's coming by and he's going to nuke this place and there won't be an earth. So let wow. that be a lesson to you and off he went, right? <laughs> President Neal's finest moment. Oh, yeah. She goes up and touched the court. <laughs> yeah, it was a... God, I always loved her as an actress. What was, yeah, the, guy, what was, the, what was the guy's name? Was that Michael the, Rennie. Michael Rennie, yeah. But Gort, and then typical Americans, what are they trying to They're trying to drill into Gort. They're trying, <laughs> trying to heat him. They use a blowtorch to see if they have a Gort just sitting there watching these idiots, right? <laughs> And the, and the child, the boy that is Bud from the, you know, Fabulous Best series. Too. Yeah, yeah, wow. S&P Futures up 13, the S&P's up 71. Everything's connected, though. Every, everything is connected. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks. How to get Capone? Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then, what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. 
Nicely done, Matt. So, John, that explain all to SP Futures up 12, Nancy is up 69. We got CPI week. We got that'll be the news this week, and we'll see how that's all. Uh, um, so, John, uh, I was uh, was doing some uh, work on some leases this weekend, and uh, got the new Chicago lease is pretty interesting. It's about 90 pages long. Commercial lease? No, it's uh, apartment lease. Well, <laughs> all the things you can say and can't say and do and can't do. I was like, well, for God's sake, why would anybody want to be a renter? Yeah. I mean, a, a rent somebody who rents the people. I know a guy who put up uh, put up a political sign on his properties, and I think one of the tenants complained. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I wanted wanted to ask, you know, is that in the new lease? I have a, a tenant in a in place I manage. And she puts out uh, a sign for recycling with, oh. with, with, a, with, a, with a five-gallon can of something that's, like, recycled. It's on the steps. And I go, who the hell's putting that out there? She goes, well, that's me. I'm all for, <laughs> I'm all for recycling. And I go, what are you recycling? I mean, <laughs> pizza boxes or whatever? Oh, so you can't recycle pizza boxes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, no. no. Greasing it. So anyway, Jan, I had a, uh, I was mentioning to you the, uh, the young lady we were talking about actually wants to come on the show. Um, Great. And uh, so we're going to talk about uh, talk about that. Um, we have uh, the uh, so we um, actually I think she just texted me saying she's looking forward to being on the show. I, I don't know if she heard us this morning, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so guess who's guess who's coming in t- uh, tomorrow, Jana? Uh, Tina Tina Hone is uh, um, running for alderman in the fifth ward. Uh, Tina's a terrific lady. Uh, and she also happens to be our f- great uh, friend of the show, uh, Eric Eric May's uh, significant other, which makes her even doubly special, because we all are a big friend of Eric's. And uh, she's going to be on tomorrow. And uh, Russell has the lady from uh, uh, the MBA school at Indiana that runs the hospital uh, concentration program. And uh, I think that's going to be... I mean, I hope I don't screw that up. It's going to be a great interview about how, whether they get certificates, whether it's an executive program, or who the people are, if there are people already working in hospitals, and, and who the normal student is. And yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited uh, uh, about, you know, some of the guests this week. It should be uh, really kind of fun. And um, since there is no, we're off, uh, markets are closed next Monday, Jan, and I know you want to get a uh, young lady, since I told her about you, uh, wants to be on with you probably maybe a week from next Monday, but that's That'd be great. It'll be uh, spectacular. And I, you know, as much as we talk about the things that aren't right in the world, the fact is, some of these young people are really friggin' impressive, and uh, and if we give them a chance, they might just do a lot of really good things. Yeah, I mean, we're not all bad. No, you're not all bad. Now, now Andrew, I'm not so sure. Uh, he's another case. He's another case. He's uh, we have to work <laughs> on him a little bit. <laughs> He's a diamond in the rough. He, he, yeah, he's something. As my uncles used to say, he has depths yet to be sounded. But, you know, Janet, I think that some of the stuff we, we, we're we going to have, and this is the part that I think is causing, and it's probably, or, or, or you know, it's probably always been like this, but Trump and, and, and you know, Clinton made it, made it, uh, but you know what? You and I do the same thing. If we were running for office and we really felt that, you know, somewhere along the line you have to change all these public contracts to make the city whole. It's probably not the, the one thing, and this, this isn't a lie, but it's devious. It really wouldn't be the, the, the number one thing you'd put in your speech 
to the teachers union or the police union. If asked a question, you'd, you'd, you'd be truthful, but you would hope you wouldn't be asked, right? Yeah. On that particular day. I mean, it's, you, you, people have all these different points of view, and there are people that the, I mean, I had somebody, actually, uh, Greg, this before I met you, had somebody on the show with a few kind of bad interviews I ever had. Uh, there's only, really only been two or three that I can think of. One was with the guy from the uh, European Union Congress. God, he was a horse's ass. Uh but the <laughs> he was from Finland or some guy. What a what a piece of work he was. Uh, but the, the other guy was the guy who was the head of the Chicago uh, pension, Teachers Union Pension Fund. And I said, you know, at some point, uh, I know people have a deal, and I know deals should be honored. I said, but at the end of the day, the rest of the people are paying for the deal. And if it gets to the point where they really can't pay because the deal gets kind of crazy and somebody signed it, there's, there's going to be a breaking point. I mean, there just has to be because I said some, I mean, basically said to them, someday if there's one person left in Chicago that isn't in one of these unions, he better have a lot of money. Cause he, and the guy basically said it's the responsibility of the politicians to take whatever they need from the rest of the population to make their deal whole. And I, I honestly couldn't believe somebody would ever say that, but he did. Well, that's a kind of a pl- pl- point of the, the platform of these unions, Tom. They wouldn't yeah. believe that. I mean, it's, it's, it's your job as a taxpayer to serve me. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I guess if that's the kind of bubble you surround your, your, yourself with, it's, it's not surprising that you all say the same thing. But I, I don't think there's any person out there who doesn't have a pension and is paying through the nose and taxes thinks that that's fair. So... Well, I mean, I mean, I think all of us are. The question is, how far do you go? I mean, if, if like I say, if I was running for office, hopefully I'd be observant. And if I pulled into some little political rally and it's everybody's wearing boots and has a pickup truck, it probably wouldn't be the day I'd say we should be in trucks. <laughs> I don't feel like you should. But even even though, even if I did, I'd probably leave that that chapter out, that speech. Don't you think? My soft pedal is anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's a, but but not your trucks. <laughs> Those are Buies. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying when you're running, you have to. But the point is, how far do you go to the point where you you've totally? What was the one movie which says I've become what I detest? Yep. I mean, right? I mean, I as you know, I mean, I, I actually. One of the few people that really like a lot of what the right feels that are principles and a lot of what the left. And I just, the crazy stuff I try and weed out. And I guess that's what makes me a moderate. I don't know. But uh, but I think when when people, you know, go to the right and you want that, and I think, John, you and I, and I don't know if Greg agrees, in our lifetime, politics has changed. It's changed from, I mean, I won't, I'm going to say, Greg, if you remember this, and, you know, people, you're talking to people, if you were Clinton, certainly Clinton, maybe bef- certainly before him, if you were on the right, you went to all the, the total right-wing knuckleheads, which all used to be like big business guys in those days, you, you said you're going to take care of them, you got the money, and you, you scattered back to the middle as fast as you could because the money was on the edges and the votes were in the middle. The same thing with the left. You went to some guy you probably couldn't even stand, you shook hands, you know, tried not to wipe your hand off on your pants, took a check and got out of there as quick as you could, right, Jen? I mean, yep. then you scurried back to the middle where all the, the I'm going to say the normal people were, and, and, and that's where the votes were as well. But now, if we're so, we're so disentangled 
that if you can come into the day with 25 or 30 percent of, say, the Trumpers, the rest of the people are so disorganized, you're going to take your chance at getting 20 percent of the remaining 70 and just getting in, right? I mean, the, the whole math has changed, John, or, or am I wrong? Game theory. No, I, it has completely changed. And we've seen sea changes you know, growing out of that in our own lifetimes. I mean, could, somebody like Bill Clinton could never have been elected, say, 10 years earlier as a Democrat with the kind of song he was singing in 1992. No. But the country had been shifted, you know, strongly enough between, you know, you know the Reagan years in 1992 that Clinton, you know, with James Carville and other people behind him was shrewd enough to see that we got to borrow from that playbook if we're going to get elected <laughs> ever again. And for a while, you, you had the Democratic Party, unlike any Democratic Party I remember hearing about or reading about in history, where you had them, you know, tough on crime, tough on, you know, export business overseas, you know, gleefully. It was all the stuff that the Republicans had always been accused of doing. And all of a sudden, the Democrats were making it fashionable. And, and that worked, you know, for, it got Clinton reelected too. But um, now, I, mean, I don't think even Clinton or his machinery saw what was going to happen to the, Dem- the Democratic Party after 1996 you know, or 2000. Well, we've got a, a system now that is, is off the rails, and it isn't just the Democrats right. and Republicans. It was, we've got splinter groups all over the place. We've got, you know, fractured politics like I don't remember seeing, where you know, the parties are, are just loose affiliations of warring factions, both parties. And that's, you know, it, that causes kind of a... A, a bad selection of, of a roster of candidates to draw from because you've got people with all sorts of toxicity that, that don't speak to the rest of the crowd, but they've got their core group of supporters, and they never talk across the aisle to each other, let alone to the other people within their own party confines. And you can see this with the, with the you know the upcoming city you know primary here, where we, we've got what nine candidates, nine species really, as far as I can see. And they're all, you know, now complaining, is Paul Vallis really, you know, a Democrat at all? Well, you know, it's supposed to be a nonpartisan primary. I didn't think we were supposed to care about what party these people were. But you can, you can see that they're trying anything to discredit Vallis, including his possible affiliation with the Republican Party. Um, and you've got ten other, seven other people or eight other people who are just, you know, psychophants of very, to varying degrees of, you know, a mantra that is just getting beaten into people's heads, and none of it is responsive to what most people are seeing in the city. Uh, you know, even Vallis, who seems to be pulling ahead here, I don't know if he's got the gumption to do with this. Well, he's 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 the same Vallis that ran four years ago. Just now, he's the only white governor. Right. Hey, uh, Jan, how about this? Uh, it turns out uh, Tina was supposed to come in uh, tomorrow. Uh, she was wondering. She's listening and she wants to know if she can, if she can call in today because I think the early voting. She's oh, yes, yes, of course. Why don't we? Uh, but I want you hanging in, so I want you to be my <laughs> my co-host. We're going to ask Matt to uh, give her a buzz here as soon as he can. That's good. And uh, I don't. Well, you got to come in here and get her number. But of course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Matt, why don't, why don't you do that right now, Matt? And when you can get her in, bring her in. Yeah, sure. Uh, because I, uh, just so everybody knows, she's running for all the person in the in the fifth ward, which is. Used to be what, John? It was a uh, Hyde Park, right? Yeah, it was, it was Leon Dupre's ward, and he was the guy that always was a pain in the ass to Mayor Daly won, right? So it's considered <laughs> a very liberal University of Chicago area, right? The Gadfly, yeah. It was a, 
Now, Tina's background is that she uh, worked for a lot of uh, the people in, uh, you know, people that were representatives and so forth in Washington. Knows everybody, kind of knows where all the bones are buried. Easily one of the brightest people I have ever met. And I, know, I don't know if there's like, you know, 12 people running, which will tell us that. So I have no idea what her chance, I have no idea how you even figure out what your chances are. Uh, she was a deputy mayor uh, recently for uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, because Lori said, okay, I need somebody like competent in there. She was ahead of the uh, uh, women's, well, the women's y, y, YWCA for a while. I mean, a very, very accomplished, I mean, you're not going to, you got to bring your A game when you talk to her. And I'm very impressed. And uh, not to mention, she achieved uh, number one on uh, Eric's list, too, so, which is always good because we love Eric. And uh, hopefully Matt will be dragging her in. But I mean, I have all kinds of questions. I, one of the ladies in, our, in the, my area wants to come on, too. Um, what, what are you going to do in a 50, there's 50 people in a city council. What kind of power do you even have? I mean, uh, I mean, Tina's a consensus builder. She's not afraid to talk to people. So, I mean, she's going to be somebody they have to deal with if she gets in. Not just, not just give me my, give me my money and, and my zoning variances and I'll be happy. She's not going to be like that. And I, I mean, I just, you know more about the setup of city government than me, John. It's actually a, a weak mayor system, but I mean, we'll ask her, what do, you, what do you think a few a few aldermen that actually want to turn this bus around, what do you think they can accomplish? Anything? I think they can accomplish a lot. And and not necessarily the things that the average person would want to see accomplished. But, um, for example, I mean, the whole nonpartisan primary stuff, has, it, I, I kind of shake my head at it because as, as much as we've been railing against the party's two-party system, um, I see that, you know, abandoning that kind of you know, distinction in the primary means you get all sorts of affiliations of candidates that are either, it's unspoken or unknown, and it's never really talked about. And, you know, I don't mind that there are socialist candidates on the ballot. I don't mind if there are socialist, you know, representatives in the city council. But I don't like the fact that somebody is a socialist who never said they were a socialist and now they're an alderman. I think that's that's a bad system. And I, I, again, if, if, you, if you're not proud enough of your label to wear it in an election, but you're really proud to wear it after you get elected, I think that's, that's, a, that's deceptive to the voters. Well, for people that don't, uh, Jan, kick, kick me if I'm wrong here, for those that don't understand what in God's name we're talking about from Chicago voting, is we went, state of Illinois, and a lot of your... Uh, Villages and towns, and Oregon Park was like this all the time. You could never run as a Democrat or a Republican. Matter of fact, you couldn't run in the same party two elections in a row. So, you know, you might be the the People's Choice Party one year or the Better Government Party the next time. And it was, and they're always, you know, everybody kind of knew who everybody was. I mean, it's not like it's a big secret. But Chicago went from the Democrat Republican model, God, John, was it 16 years ago, 12 or somewhere? Yeah. Fairly recent. And, uh, and now we have any anybody can run for mayor, and uh, you, I guess you can say whether you're Democrat or Republican. I don't makes any difference, but there's you know there's a whole lot of people in the mix, and some people can afford ads, some can't. Uh, some people are in just to take votes. Some other people it appears, uh, uh, which is kind of weird. So there's this big brouhaha, both in the aldermanic and in the sit in the mayor elections regarding. Uh, so there's going to be what, there's nine people running for mayor. And I think there was, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how many were last time. It had to be nine or ten. So the top two there, if, no, if nobody gets 50% of the vote, which is pretty tough to do if there's nine people running, then there's a runoff election. 
Now, I guess you can say that a lot of people, and I think uh, Tina needs a couple minutes, she'll be on pretty soon, cool. And, uh, so, but I, on the one hand, I think generally, especially in the aldermanic elections that I'm looking at, so there's a lot of talented people running. People that are, they have business, that are retired in the, in, the, in the area, that have been around. And they're not idiots. I mean, they're, I mean, there really, really is, I think, some talent there that would never get there otherwise. On the other hand, you're going to have like Lori Lightfoot, when she won last time, four white people ran, for lack of a better term. Uh, Bill Daly, but then Joyce didn't like Daly because, what, he screwed him out of a restaurant or thinks he did at O'Hare. So he, he ran against him. Vallis ran, and so did the former police chief. So you got, and so Daly and Gary Chico, and Gary Chico, yeah. yeah. So then you had a, uh, so Daly got like seventy-five thousand votes, and Lori got like ninety-two. Just off the top of my head, and Tony Preckwinkle got like eighty-five. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that if if Vallis or the police chief or Joyce didn't run, Daly would have gotten probably as many as Tony Preckwinkle. So on the one hand, you've got a, a lot of people with talent running. Uh, without a whole lot of money for campaigns, so you really don't know what's about any of them, really. And then all of a sudden, you have a city of 3 million people and a lady who's mayor that got 90,000 votes out of 3 million, which, to me, categorically sucks. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you, John. I don't know what's a better system. I mean, The thing, the thing I miss is when you actually had your party oppositions and you had a primary that chose a, a candidate from one party and you know the other party chose their candidate and those two went head to head and there were, there were always sparks flying because the, the political affiliations of those two opposing candidates were, were seldom ever on the same page they were you know quite opposed to each other and sometimes violently so but it gave people a clear picture of, of who you know choices were when you looked at them when they were dramatically opposed the problem with it, with this kind of nonpartisan voting is you get people in the top tier that you know they're, just, they're echo chambers of each other so you yeah. have Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle they, they don't like each other at all but but really on paper where is there any light between them and their positions so it, it, what what's the Final vote then is it a popularity contest? Well, we oh, pretty much. We assume that they have the identical positions on issues, and yet we have to choose one over the other. Well, that isn't really an election. That isn't about issues. That's just about personalities. And the, the nonpartisan voting suppresses any kind of issue-based voting decisions. So, well, I mean, they voted. I mean, Tina, we have you. How are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm doing it. You're on with me. You're on with Mr. John Flanagan. He's a uh, uh, I don't know how he would exactly describe him, but you can. Uh, he, he's a, a teacher, a lawyer, uh, so he's he's all of those things. And Good morning, Tina. <laughs> and uh, so, Tina, we have we've been sitting here talking about you like if you were here for the last twenty minutes. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't there. Oh, we're introducing. We've introduced you so far as Tina Hong. We've talked about your, your your Washington career. Talked about you being the de- deputy mayor in the YWCA, and we also said that you're Eric's significant other, which puts you in a very high opinion, uh, very high opinion of the people at Stocks and Jacks. So there you have it. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> Eric, Eric wouldn't pick a schlump. Let's put it that way. How's that for a, a simple way of putting it? Yeah, I, I am enormously grateful for the amazing gentleman that I have in my life named Eric Charles May. So. So, uh, so the question is, A, how the hell do you know whether you're winning or not? Uh, how do you get in? And when you're there, what are you going to do with 50 other people there? And uh, God knows who's going to be mayor. I mean, you got to... 
you got a, hu- a couple of huge tasks ahead of you. One getting in and one doing something when you're there. And I've described you as you're not somebody who's going to sit at the end of the bench and just do zoning variances and not talk. That's not you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what uh, first of all, how, how, do you, how do you think the campaign's going? And are the other people, it seems like there's other people, I don't know if they're as talented as you, but there's some good people running against you. They're not schlumps. Um, there are a lot of people in the race. Uh, one is um, almost completely funded by CTU, SEIU, and other union interests. Um, I don't mind, I, I, you know, I'm a union kid, but when you're only funded by, you know, special interests and special interests around the right and the left, I think that changes who you are as a candidate. Um, I'm actually funded by friends, former colleagues, family members, neighbors, um, and, and that makes me proud how many people who know me and saw my work have come out to actually support me. Um, so that is actually distinguishes me from what I perceive as a front runner because you've got a war chest of at least $150,000, plus I'm sure there's some independent expenditures going on um, that he's not even aware of. So. Um, so it's a it's a it's a tough it's a lot of people, but not everybody has money, not everybody has um, experience, um, and that's the other thing that really distinguishes me in the race. Um, my experience is unmatched compared to the other candidates. Um, I you know was a counsel on the judiciary committee, a policy director on the education and workforce committee. Um, I've worked on things like the Affordable Care Act and No Child Left Behind. Um, and of course, with chief engagement officer in the city, uh, and the significance of that is, I saw how the city worked, um, and I know what leverage to pull to get things done. It's two years of a thirty-year career, um, uh, and you know I have enormous respect for the mayor, um, but I'm not running as the mayor's candidate. I am my own candidate. Um, she knows that, uh, and I know that. Um, so it's uh, a lot of people, but not you know not, a, no, not no one has my experience. Um, the other thing that no one has is my connection and ability to connect to all parts of the world. Um, you know that I'm biracial. My mother's African-American. My father came to the United States from the former Yugoslavia. Um, I was born in Hyde Park, uh, but I grew up in Roseland, which is a really tough neighborhood on the far south side. Um, this ward is a microcosm of the city. It's got Hyde Park at its heart. But it's got some uh, South Shore, Woodlawn, Greater Grand Crossing, uh, a little corner of, uh, that's considered Kenwood, although I think those folks think they live in Hyde Park, too. But the privilege of Hyde Park, or the relative privilege of Hyde Park, is they're struggling in Hyde Park, too. That's the other mythology out there. But the relative privilege of Hyde Park, because of the University of Chicago, um, compared to some of the struggles that are going on in other parts of the world, I'm actually, I have lived both the struggles and I've lived the, the, the opportunities and privileges of this world. And so I can relate to everyone here. I can relate to a Nobel Prize winning professor because they used to teach me when I was at UC. Um, but I can also relate to the struggling single mother because my mother was a struggling single mother at some points in her life. So it's that ability and that range um, to understand the full diversity and complexity of this world that, again, no one else. Um, to match me on that. Yeah, what uh, what did the the new ward map uh, did that change the fifth ward dramatically? It did, it did a few of the other ones, didn't it? Not very dramatically. It consolidated Hyde Park, 
a little bit, so there's a very, most of Hyde Park's now in the ward, um, so that was split, um, that was, that was adjusted, um, and it took out a lot of woodlawn, um, the woodlawn piece used to go all the way to Cottage Grove, now it just goes to the, the metro tracks, um, and when we went to Cottage Grove, I actually worked across the street from the ward, because I worked in woodlawn grain crossing, um, and again, another thing that makes me different from the other candidates is my, I actually worked in the ward. Um, and serve the people in this award um, in addition to working in the large national level. I've, I've got connections to all parts of the award. But no, it didn't dramatically change. And it got cut off a little slow south. Well, you know, it's second a, first street is really a pretty bright line now. Um, and it used to go a little bit further south and south shore. Well, when you, uh, when you mentioned the, uh, the mayor, it's pretty interesting. I mean, she, uh, when a lot of people, you know, as you well know, are, are really upset with her performance and uh you know and she has a little bit of a thin skin in a lot of ways i mean uh she hasn't done as good a job as i think the job is way too bigger for anybody to do to be honest with you but a lot of people who actually know her from the her days when she was a what's a was she a, a state's attorney or something um actually she had a police and, yeah. US attorney, yeah. and uh but i mean the people who knew her then said she was very very anti-crime very very bright very logical and all of a sudden, you just land in one of these jobs, and I don't think she's anywhere near as bad as people, certainly as a person, than, than people think. I mean, uh, or that you come across, and boy, you, you can get that stuff in politics. You get a bad rap pretty easy, can't you? I mean, it's, it's, it's especially when something is as kind of as mess. So where would you, we're going to go to break here for a second, uh, in a little bit, uh, Tina, but what, if, if you're in, let's assume you're in, what do you, where do you even start? I mean, it just... The city is. I mean, uh, we're not we're not alone on this. I mean, San Francisco's got their issues. I mean, everybody's got their issues. The, the economy, uh, I think. Well, we'll talk a little bit after the break. But the economy, if you listen to TV all day, everything's perfect. And yet, you and I know it's not perfect at all. I mean, it probably eighty percent of the economy, the people that we know, have been in a recession for two decades, right? I mean, and it, and it's it's bad. I mean, you're talking about areas where some people are going to have a real lot of money, and some people aren't going to have any, and you have to. Deal with both of them, right? As you just mentioned. Let's talk about this after break. SP Futures down up eight, sorry. As if futures up 57, we're not up as much as we were, but we're still up. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Jocks. 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 Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. We got Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 8. Nancy Futures up 57. Uh, individual stocks moving. Uh, not that much. We've got... Uh, Microsoft is uh, up 320. It's just leading the down here. We've got Salesforce up a buck and a half. We're going to do a very abbreviated uh, sports traffic here. By the way, Kansas City won after they stalled the last two minutes and kind of, I don't know, because that was such a good thing or not. But we're going to, we're going to, as soon as you give a quick, a very quick little brief uh, weather here, we're going to go back to Tina right away because she's got a dash in 15 minutes. Oh, definitely, yeah. Weather currently in Chicago, clear skies right now, 39 degrees, a high of 52 later today. Uh, tomorrow, rain showers around midday. Temperatures to head back under freezing for Thursday and Friday with a mix of rain and snow on Thursday. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, currently 49 degrees, a high of 57 later on. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Hey, Tina, a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Uh, because, sure. Um, the, the city council, I mean, we we rail every once in a while. And by the way, some of this I got from you. The one night we had a discussion, you probably remember, is how seniority works so much in the House of Representatives at a point where I think some of the citizens are getting pretty pissed about it. But uh, if, when you get elected to the city council, you don't have to wait 40 years to get to get on a good committee, do you? Or, or, or is everybody pretty much equal when they go in the door? Or is it all seniority? How's it, is it same as Congress? Different? How does that all work? Well, it's a little bit different. I think it's a little bit more free-for-all, and I think it's a, a lot less about seniority um, and a lot more about relationships. Um, the mayor also has a lot more to do 
with the appointment of people to both chairmanships and to the city councils. Um, so um, we'll see, you know, how that works out. I also think that it's important to note that, you know, one third of city council is guaranteed it's going to be new. Um, six, 15 people decided not to run before this election cycle, and Maldonado decided in the middle of the election cycle not to run. So that's 16 um, new seats. That's really a chance to reset the way city council works. Um, there are going to be a lot of rookies um, to city council, um, or a lot of new people to city council, because not everybody's a rookie. Like, I would not be a rookie. Um, I think that's important, too, to have experience when you've got that much of city council new. Um, so the, the old way may not be the, the, the way that this new city council works. It's a real chance to reset the way we govern the city. I think it's also a real chance to make city council members true co-governors of the city um, and not just sort of, you know, uh, uh, satisfied with, with being the mayor of your ward, which is important. You have to be an advocate for your ward. You have to represent the people of your ward. One of the advantages of having such a big city council is the, you know, intimacy you know, aldermen should have with their community. We only have about 60,000 people per community. You ought to know a lot of them, right? right. But if that can't be enough. You also have a responsibility to the city as a whole. So you're saying and that... again, that's one of the things I think that I bring to the table. So you're saying that functionally, I mean, a, a rookie's representative in Washington, you could be a combination of Solomon and Abraham Lincoln, and you can't to me, you can't do squat. You're saying you actually will be able to get some stuff done functionally. I, I absolutely believe I will. Good. Um, but, you know, I think even in Washington, you could get stuff done. I mean, you know, it's all, you know, people skills matter, right? If you come in and you want to be a grandstander, the people who ride in, like, as if they're on the white horse and they're going to save the world, uh, you know, people don't like that. No. You can't do that. <laughs> you, you have to come in and understand there are people who are there who've been working hard, who've been trying their best, who care about their constituents in the city too. Um, but you try to figure out where your common ground and your common understanding is to get things done. But if you're going to come in as a new city council member, as if you have all the answers, you're going to rescue everybody, like you've been waiting for me, the great savior to come, no one's going to like you, no one's going to want to work with you. Um, you know, the people who are, some of the people that are on the campaign trail, both in this ward and other wards, who are saying what they're going to do when they're going to get to city council, well, the first thing you're going to have to do is figure out a count of 25. Because you're not going to do anything if you don't have 25 colleagues who agree with you and who are your allies and friends. Um, and you have to have a good relationship with the mayor, whoever that mayor is going to be. You know, having an, an antagonistic relationship with the chief executive of the city isn't helpful either. No. Um, and, and that is sort of, again, the secret sauce that I think I bring to this campaign is this understanding of how governing and politics and, and policy works. You know, you're, no one's the great savior. You've you got to work together to try to get things done. Um, and I know I can do that. Well, I'm going to ask John. John's going to pony up a couple of questions, and I'm going to ask you the the final one, I guess, at the end of the, at the end when you when you have to dash, I'm going to ask you. I, I know that you're going to say this. Is the city really savable? I mean, but John, you go first. Hi, Tina. It's good to talk to you, and I wish you all the best. Uh, if, when you got so many aldermen that have you know stepped down or aren't running again, like you know, like your predecessor Leslie Harrison and Tom Tunney, and some of these are, are fixtures in the city council. Um, a lot of people have been saying that it's due to a, an increasing lack of 
civility or collegiality in the city council that has proved frustrating for people who do want to get stuff done because the, the antagonisms are, are kind of amplified in, in what people see if they ever daily working for the city council these days. And a lot of people, I think, have just maybe gotten tired of it. Do you see that as a lingering problem? Should you be elected? Are there ways that, with a, with a, a new crop, as you suggest, and it clearly will be that, um, are there some dysfunctions in the city council that are going to be harder to fix and just getting people to cooperate, do you think? Sure. I think civility in, in public service is incredibly important. Um, and, and I also always want to, civility doesn't mean compromise. Because sometimes you can't compromise, right? If it's a civil rights or social justice issue, you can't compromise. But that doesn't mean you can't be civil in your disagreement. Um, I think one of the reasons why people are not running is because of the lack of civility in city council itself. I absolutely believe we have a chance to restart that, press that button and start again. Um, so I, I'm excited about that possibility. But there's also, I think, a lot of reasons people aren't running is because of a lack of civility sort of external to city council. Um, you know, being on the campaign trail, and, and I'm proud that we've tried in the seventh and in the, in the fifth war to remain civil with each other um, on this campaign trail. But there are some pretty assertive advocates uh, who also could get some lessons in civility. Um, and I think part of the reason some people aren't running um, is because they don't want to deal with, you know, the candidly the attacks that are coming from the far left um, in the city. You know, I have never in my life been viewed as politically as a moderate Democrat. You know, I am a liberal progressive Democrat. But there is a sense sometimes if you're not willing to go all the way to, you know, rent control and, you know, citywide eviction moratorium, that somehow you're, you know, a demonic human being. Um, and what I think people don't understand is that you actually have to govern in a way that is balanced and that everyone has the right to be heard. Um, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but everybody has the right to be heard. And so I think it's a lack of civility on city council, and I think there's a lack of civility coming from the far left um, that, you know, I think is just as dangerous as the lack of civility that can come from the far right that we've seen. Um, extremes on either end are not helpful for the governance of the city or our nation. Tina, I never, I was a, well, I suppose at heart, I'm still a moderate Democrat, but boy, I sure feel alone there. I mean, uh, I don't know, I don't know who these people are all the way on the left. It's a, they're, they're more, they're, I always thought that the censorship and all other stuff would come from the right. It's coming from the, the crazy left. And I, I would never have thought that. You know, it's interesting because my father was in political prison um, under Tito in the former Yugoslavia. And my father was a humanist, you know, and, and candidly a socialist. And I remember always thinking to myself, how did my father end up in political prison as liberal and progressive as he is, right? I mean, he was a white man who came to this country and married a black woman and had me, right? So, uh, like, it, it made no sense to me. Um, but he used to always say to me, you know, whether it's extreme on the right or the left, extremes are dangerous. Um, anybody who thinks they're the only people who are right and everybody else is wrong is dangerous. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, this may cost me the election for saying it, but I, I, I'm really worried about extremism. Um, the, obviously, the extremism of the right that we saw under Donald Trump, but I don't want the extremism on the left either. 
So, um, you know, we have got to govern in a way, you know, where all voices can be heard, including, frankly, the people who are far left, right? They got a right to be heard, sure. too. And there's some good ideas and some fearlessness that's coming out of the far left that I respect. But I don't want us to be governed in a way where we feel um, if our voice is in any way moderate, that there's, that we are somehow morally corrupt. Well, I also think, to be fair to people on both ends, what I'm trying to do, Trina, you know this, because I mean, we've talked some, uh, it's, this is not about me today, it's about you, but I think you're sort of in a, you, you have to have a respect for what, even if their solutions are crazy, <laughs> or you think they're crazy, there has to be some respect for what did they see that brought them to that to that idea, because probably what they saw is the same thing we're all seeing. I mean, you know, yeah. things are not great everywhere, so I mean, I think you and I Right. So what, uh, how, how do you even know how you're doing? You know, I, I, you know, I am not going to spend the money on a poll, uh, because really the only way you know how you're doing is by doing a poll. Um, but I feel like I've got a lot of um, positive reception um, in the places that I go. I think people who want to have a thoughtful conversation um, have thoughtful conversations with me, and then I... You know, I'm able to to to, to win their support. Um, it's hard for me because I'm too thoughtful for sound bites, um, yeah. but I'm working on it. Uh, and you know, I, I just you know, a lot of politics anyway is that. Um, and my bet is I, I've got a pretty decent reception, um, certainly in Hyde Park and and, and I think in those parts of Woodlawn and, and Grand Crossing and South Shore. Um, where I get a chance to be heard, I get, I think, a pretty favorable reception there as well. You know, I'm a, despite all my moderate conversation, I'm also a social justice warrior, and I have a long record of fighting for, for human rights and civil rights. Um, and so I know you can fight for human rights and civil rights um, and still look for ways um, to build bridges instead of walls. You know, I can level playing fields. I can build bridges. I can close gaps. And I, but I do that with people. You're also, without putting words in your mouth, when you look at human rights and civil rights, you're colorblind. You're not talking about just one group. You're talking about everybody. That, that's so you are. I, I, I think an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. But I also think, in fairness, I'm not colorblind. I think that, that it's naive to be colorblind um, in this country. Um, there are issues of race. Oh, um, and the African-American struggle is a unique struggle because of the legacy of slavery. Um, and so, and, and the systemic racism and policies that followed, um, you know, redlining, discriminatory practices vis-a-vis criminal justice, they're, 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 I'm not, so no, I'm not colorblind. What I'm saying uh, is I you're, you're very aware of the differences um, and respectful of the differences. Um, but I, what I do understand is that everybody's got a struggle. You know, being a child of an immigrant, I understand that it is hard to be an immigrant in this country. Mm. Even, you know, when you're a blue-eyed immigrant like my dad was. Um, but it is hard to be an immigrant. And a lot of native-born people wouldn't have the fearlessness that most immigrants have to make this trip to this country and come here and get treated like an idiot because, as my father used to say, you got an accent on your lips, so they think you have an accent on your brain. Um, so, you know, I care about the LGBTQ community. You know, I am a, a fierce ally of that community. Um, I care about women's rights. Um, I care about religious minorities. 
Um, but you know, there. But I don't. I'm not colorblind or religious blind. I think at this point we see everybody for who they are and understand their struggles, and we have separate sets of struggles, um, and each of them have to be addressed in different ways. Well, when I when I mentioned uh, colorblind, when I, when I was talking about in some areas of the country, that I mean, everybody's in really horrible shape too, and they're they're. I mean, every, every every group that is being is being uh, economically downtrodden right now. A lot of them are black. A lot of them are white. A lot of them are everywhere. It's just we we have to fix a lot of stuff for a lot of people. And s- certain groups have you know issues that are on their own, like you're saying. I mean, I'm not. When I say colorblind. I'm not saying uh, I didn't go to the full mm-hmm. extent there. What I meant was economically, we need to do stuff for everybody. There's and we need to also look at gender payback. Right, yeah. because most of the downtrodden are single women trying to do their best to support their kids, working in jobs that are not paying well. Any jobs that they don't have, they don't have pensions, they don't have enough money to put into four hundred one k. There's going to be a whole other issue that comes up with the gender pay gap and how that impacts all women. Um, you know, you know, the industries that employ women predominantly are industries that are lower paid than other industries, like the, the care industry, whether it's child care or elder care. Um, and so we need to look at those industries and look at, you know, why the industries that disproportionately uh, hire women are lower paid industries. Um, and can, and can you see it in, in, in law or in teaching and in other professions, when it, they become dominant women professions, the pay goes down. When men start coming into professions like nursing, the pay goes up. We got to look at this gender pay gap because that's who's suffering a great deal in this country: are single moms, single women who are dependent on jobs that are female-dominated and don't pay fairly. Well, I think uh, there's a lot of that that can be that certainly can be addressed. I think uh, Kevin, uh, one of these days, uh, when you win, we'll have you on with Kevin and who. And he'll talk about how much if we upgrade our junior college and high school stuff to include a lot of adults and certificates and training, how we can do a lot. We, we could do a hell of a lot more here. Indiana seems way ahead of us in, in, in some of those areas. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. So why don't you, why don't you win so we can talk about it? <laughs> I'm going to do my best to win. I am going to do my best, my friend. What, uh, so, what are you, um, you, I thank you for the chance to be on your show. Hey, one, uh, one minor, I know you got a dash, but how much, I know Eric mentioned, the fact that there's an awful lot of high-rises in Hyde Park, isn't that kind of a singular problem to get to these people? It's <laughs> really hard. Um, the, the, really, that's, that's why these races are so expensive, though. The only way you can really get into these uh, you know, big apartment buildings is through mailers. And mailers even targeted um, for likely voters are $10,000 each. Wow. I mean, mailers you know, are the money. Well, yeah. to, to get these mailers out and get your story out and get your message out um, is really expensive when you can't get into the, the people um, use uh, the high rise and even the little coffee clutches you're still only seeing about eight to ten people. So uh, we're, we're doing our best. Uh, you how know, much, Leslie? Uh, I know you got a dash, but I got a zillion questions. How 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 significant or how good is like the the cable if you narrow it down to like one district and stuff? Are people using that? Cable TV. I, I don't understand what you're saying. I mean, cable TV, fun. you can actually do local commercials and narrow it down to like one or two parts of the city. Are people using that? Um, I'm not using that, and I don't. Again, I don't know if anybody else has raised enough money to do that. Yancey doesn't. Yancey may end up doing that. He's again the the candidate who is heavily supported by um, 
uh, you know, unions have a special interest. So. No, no, nobody's got a check from FCX, are they? Have they? Look, <laughs> 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 like, uh, what Jesse's kid got? What a million and a half, right? Ruffs. <laughs> anyway, I am, uh, I, I, I don't know. We'll, 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 anything like that. We'll, we'll, looking, you know, well, thank continue you. Continue to plug away at my friend. Well, Andrew's going to cut up, send you the interview. We're going to cut that last question out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you very much. And well, thank you very much. Uh, and, and good luck to you. I, I wish I could vote for you, but. Even in Chicago, I can't go to a different area and vote vote early, vote often, or I would. No, uh, I, I don't want you to do that. No. <laughs> Good luck, Peter. Good luck, and uh, right, so we'll, we'll see you. In, uh, Thank you. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll have a celebration at the Tripoli when you win. Uh, SP oh, Futures up 2, Nasdaq Futures up 37. Uh, Jan, what do you what do you make of, uh, of that? I mean, I think uh, oh, 16 people knew Alderman. Is that, is that a record? It's got to be close. I think it's a record. Um, it's close. If, if not, it's really close to a record. Um, I think you know if there were if there were clearer signals from the mayor, you know, in the last couple of years of how there was you know consensus building afoot, and that you know people didn't feel like they were being targeted sometimes by Lightfoot um, and being played off against each other by her politics. I don't think you'd see that that number of people having stepped down or declined to run again. I think part of the dissatisfaction comes from kind of the, the management skills of Lightfoot that are, are clearly showing you know, throughout the city that people are, you know, feel like the city isn't working that well. But I think it, it, the city council is kind of a microcosm of that. If there were a mayor, who, even if it were a stronger mayor, somebody who really had some kind of charisma or was able to get the, you know, the trust of people they were opposed to, um, that, that would you know be tough enough in a governing body of fifty people with all these agendas, but I, I do think that the, the problem with Lightfoot is accentuated by the fact that um, the, the personal has become so uppermost in that the way everything is conducted there, and people feel like this is you know I got better things to do with my time. I might be trying to run a business or want to run a business someday, and this is just shortening my life. So. Um, I could see this happening under Emmanuel to some extent too, but less so because he had, a, a, you know, a better you know set of skills for glad handing or, or telling yeah. people that they counted and not you know turning them off. But I think you know Lightfoot has not you know held back when it comes to people she really dislikes, and you know other people feel like even if I'm not being targeted when she goes after so and so like that, I can imagine what she. Well, she made a see. comment. I don't think she. You know, it's. Uh, well, for, first thing, John, when you do the show more so than any, I think most of us grew up in an in a, in a area where you sort of had to be careful what you said. But I mean, in terms of insulting people and things, but certainly in, uh, when doing the show, I mean, I get feedback all the time. It's not what you say; it's what people hear. Right. And I think Lori has a, a real an issue with that. I mean, she was at some kind of debate last week, and you know, of course, it's a sound bite, but they're talking about uh, the police department going forward and. And, you know, and the police department has some, I think they have bad training. I don't think there's enough of them. I think uh, I would like to see it a lot different, um, you know, based on when I was growing up, when my uncles and people who were policemen that I knew uh, used to talk about policing back then. I don't, I don't think we do any of those things that make common sense. Uh, it starts with not having enough people and maybe not enough support or whatever, but she, she answered a question about how she wants to maintain 
that going forward that the uh, diversity in the senior ranks of the police department is one of her major goals. John, I don't, I don't, I don't think many people, as much as you would love to have uh, the ability of everybody of color, whatever you are, education, to to make your way up the chain. Right now, all people care about is a police. Is this place being safe to live? And and, and if it takes. 15 Asian captains or 15 American Indian captains. I don't care who the hell they are. I want the best people there. I mean, I, I mean, doesn't she understand that that's the goal is for the police department to be a good police department? And if, and by the way, diversity is part of it because you want to have everybody. But it's not. That's not the. That's not. It's a minor goal. It's not the major goal. Doesn't she get that? No, she doesn't get it, Tom. And you know, th- this is kind of uh, you know a gripe I have about you know, a lot of politicians, but it's not just in politicians. You can see it in you know minority recruitment efforts at universities, businesses, whatever. It, it, they're looking at it as some kind of data set where we've got you know here we have a circle and we've got so many minorities in the country and we want them all represented in this fashion at this place so that we become a kind of you know. You know, small scale version of this entire beautiful country we live in, and won't everything be harmonious then? And if if that's the kind of you know goal you set, well, you will you will achieve uniformity in your data, and you'll get the kind of pleasure that gives you from having constructed something that looks like something that you approve of. But that doesn't mean that's a workable body of people no. because you've you've not. In order to get to that, you've decided I'm not going to decide if any of these people are really competent to do the job or, or as competent as other people who are applying but don't fit the demographic that I've targeted as the one I'm, I'm going to get behind here. And what, once you start doing that, it's like running everything like, you know, it's an imaginary daycare or a virtual daycare. I will supervise how everybody fits into these little cubicles I've designed for them, and then I'll watch everything just, you know, dance to my tune and everything will be harmonious. And the big world does not operate that way. It never did. And it certainly can't w- work that way when you've got everything so screwed up. Well, I mean, the idea of, of not enough... Uh, people of color making it on the police force. Okay, well, to me that backs up to the fact uh, how good are, how good is the education? Well, the education is not so good. Now, is it about the schools? Is it about the family? Is it about the community? Is it all of the above? Probably. But I think if we if we start from day one and have schools where people learn how to read and write and add and subtract and know something about physics and maybe have uh, some special classes in high school having to do with law enforcement or something for people who want to concentrate in those areas. I'm not saying uh, study for a test. I'm saying if you want to have those kinds of things, maybe even some pre-law or something. Uh, that, that, so the point being is everybody coming out of a Chicago high school with decent grades ought to be able to pass a police test. The fact that they don't, it's not a, it's not a police issue, I don't think. Do you? It's, right. a, it's an educational uh, I- issue. It's the, it's the same thing, you know, you have people coming out of, of high schools that, you know, have substandard math and writing skills such that they have to immediately go into developmental classes at a university or a community college. You know, that to me is, I mean, it's, you could say this, is that a problem with policing? I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think it's a problem with basic literacy, liter- yeah. literacy skills that we've decided we don't want to, you know, focus on anymore in our teaching, but that translates into a reduced pool of people that you want to trust. That's know, right. Bearing arms and, and, and carrying out the... And wh- why, don't, why, why isn't there a class in Inglewood High School for six weeks before 
one of the tasks for people who want to be a policeman and want to learn and learn the stuff you need to learn to be able to do well on the test. Yeah. Well, Unfortunately, it's going the opposite direction. How they want to get rid of the testing? Yeah, but it's, it's but I mean I. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy, Jen. We'll we'll talk. I'm, I'm glad that Tina, uh, somehow or another, she's oh, supposed to be really tomorrow. Oh, good to meet her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never met her personally before, but I'm really glad you had her. You will. She's 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 special. She's great. And uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. And we so we have uh, we don't have Tina tomorrow, but we have uh, uh, Russell's lady and uh, Russell's lady, the lady who's the head <laughs> of the uh, MB, MBA program on hospitalization wishes, part. Huh? And uh, down in uh, oh, Russell's got a oh, Russell's got a great great wife and family. I don't think he needs two ladies. Yeah. <laughs> God, two ladies that'd be tough. That's the future's up three. That's the future's up. I don't know how guys have done that though. They've had two and three people at the same time. I don't know why anybody wants to do that. My guess. Yeah. I'll be listening to them. All right, yeah. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. With Stacks and Jacks. Brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.